Okay guys, I don't think you are gonna like this. Oh yeah. But one thing we can always agree on. Oh yeah. We never want to hear about the preganglionic nerve again. Oh yeah. It's time to hyper-criticize Alexander Siddick's range as an actor. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition. A podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best show to really get inside your head. Man. Um, get inside wah. your head, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm ashamed of that joke too. But anyways, <laughs> with me as always is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, how are we doing, guys? I'm doing all right. Yeah, my name is Wade Bowen, and yep, we're talking about the episode in season three called, what, Distant Voices? That's right. Yes, yes, this is Distant Voices. This is episode 18 of season three. It originally aired April 10th, 1995, and the IMDb description is as follows. After being attacked in the in the infirmary, infirmary god <laughs> dr bashir has a dual mystery on his hands what has happened to the station while he was out and why is he aging so rapidly now hmm. <laughs> so um all right guys i hated this episode uh how did you guys feel I, about it really i i super hated this episode <laughs> <laughs> I almost uh I was working on a theory that it was almost it was like it was almost grown in a vat to combat my enjoyment of this show. Really? Of yeah. you made me kick over my beer how aghast I was. I actually really liked it. I I thought <laughs> Jesus. finally we just had fascination. We just had two episodes before that Meridian and normally in season 1 we'd be almost done with the whole season. And now we're on the back end of the season and we're starting to crawl out of the shit that we've been in. Nope. Uh-huh. Like we've been in the shit. No, this is <laughs> this 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 stuff's ten pounds of Julian stuff into a, a five pound sack. Okay. Julian ten pounds well, of I, Julian shit into a five pound sack. That's the problem. Yeah. All right. I should have known he was gonna hate it because we know how you feel about Julian. No, no, the the Julian is like okay. First off, I just want to start and say that this episode won an Emmy. Okay, see what for what makeup? <laughs> I'm on I'm on the right side of history. Mi- makeup, yeah, uh, for makeup. <laughs> oh, Suicide Squad just won an Oscar, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, what what did it win the Emmy for, James? Makeup, same thing. Suicide so Squad. I, with the so I totally guessed that. And that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, because, I mean, it's got a major, you know, it is a, those guys had to put in the work this week. It not only did it have a goofy, puss-faced villain, but you also had like a, you know, like you had to age Julian. Old age. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah for TV, this you is probably. slowly a... turn Julian into an old Jewish man. Listen, we don't have, <laughs> yeah. it's 2017, and we still don't have that great of aging. Make- I hate fake aging in TV. It almost never works out. I think when they do it in the movies now with the digital thing. No, I. Like, I think it works. I'm talking about in the TV. Like, even you, even you, Encounter you, at Farpoint. You're talking about rubber. You're talking about rubber on faces. Yeah, I hate like, it. Like, latex. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But, like, the way they did, like, Haley Atwell for Winter Soldier, I think that looked pretty flawless. <sighs> Like, I, you know, I didn't think that she looked old, like, but that's digital. They just yeah. filmed Haley Atwell and then digitally fucked with her face. 
and, and what they, they did with do with, with General Tarkin and Rogue One. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, they made a whole person out of no, that... making Carrie Fisher look young. This has a whole checklist of stuff that I don't like in it. It's got the aging. That's makeup. what I was actually going yeah. to say. I, yeah, it's got. It's all happening in his mind. I hate the characterization of all the characters that we normally like. I hate their acting choices. Mm-hmm. For their new characterizations, um, I just about hate everything. Well, about- yeah, they're playing different characters, and basically. I, I, so but that's... I don't like their choices. Like I don't like how they choose to pick up. To it's so ham. I want to pick up the baton. <laughs> fair, fair enough. The idea. Okay, you do the thing that I can't stand, which is the attempt to make nothing scary. Like the camera moving close in, and like there's lots of suspense. That I hate that the, these empty rooms. I like. I like everything that. in the show felt empty and cheap. Um, I hate all of that stuff. I hated not just, yes, like no one has any charisma with the one scene they have with Avery Brooks. is kind of like, oh, my God, somebody's bringing something to this. Garrick is trying. Poor, poor guy. So, but, I was just going to say Andrew Robinson. Garrick's always. He's fine. I mean, even when he's phoning it in. Yeah, like he's I mean, well, uh, he has charisma. That's an observation I um, made of this. Like he's not doing anything special. It's just like. He's charismatic and like watchable. Mm-hmm. Even just being just just plain old simple Garrick doing nothing special is just watchable or well, more. And then it's as a character, most basic type of writing that I hate. That I, I I really do hate where you everybody becomes a simple archetype. And I know that's the point of what they're doing, but that still had to sit through. Is that everybody becomes a simple archetype to work against their? So it's even though they're new characters, they are almost by design two-dimensional and uninteresting yeah so i mean they are yeah i guess when you put it like that (laughs) i think the best thing about this episode there's uh, i'm gonna i know that wade will probably defend it a little bit or at least shed some light on what he liked about it but i'm gonna give two positives we're at the top of the episode we have some actual the most interesting thing in the whole thing is that this gel is out like is basically uh, biomimetic jail yeah yes biomimetic that it's a felony to even like ask for it and that so to me that was like super interesting that this guy just committed a felony and then julian's like hey you know that's a felony instead of like going to <laughs> like going straight to odo he just tells him it's a fel- felony mm-hmm. to me that was We've, that was like the most interesting thing about this episode the second thing is... This isn't is, the first time... Oh, oh okay. You're going to get in the nerd corner about the gel? <laughs> I, this is not the first time that it's come up that Julian has to say you can't get biomimetic gel. Okay. Or that it's a controlled substance. It came up in, I think, when he grew that clone in season one or some shit. But whatever. Who cares? It doesn't right, matter. Right. But my, my point was is that somebody committed a felony and instead... Insta- your, point, your point stands. Instead of, instead of Julian following the Federation law, which is getting up and reporting it, he just said, hey, you know you just committed a felony. So <laughs> it's like... A, and was really threatening about it. But here's the thing. I also really liked... I, I actually hated the scenes of just the station shut down, but I actually got an, a, a deeper appreciation of how big and intricate those sets were for Deep Space Nine. <laughs> because they're usually poor, because they're usually like lit or shot a specific way, you don't get to see how actually big they are. And this did a really good job of showing how big that those physical sets actually were. And I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Right, I agree with that. Well, yeah, it's rare that you see them go from one locale to another, like walk out of Quarks and go into the, the, the promenade or something like that. And you don't see it completely, but it feels like there's more flow from one area to another, which is kind of weird in a dream episode where they can just disappear and shoot somewhere else. Yeah. 
I, I'm trying to think of a positive thing. I think it ends on a funny line. Oh God, I hated the so ending. The, <laughs> like, like the line. That's that's like, almost as that's almost as bad as oh well, everything's back to normal now. <laughs> well, but it was the that Garrick. The, but that Garrick was still programming him to like not distrust Garrick. Right, right. Which <laughs> it, it was know, a little I, bit of like that. Sure was a sticky situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that, it does end by that, but that you knew once you found out, once it was clear that this was all in his head anyway. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh, fine. the fact that it came back to characterization and the relationship, I can see how, the angle on that that you like. Yeah, I mean, it's bookended well. Yeah. It well, starts with the dinner. I mean, specifically meal. the line. I mean, specifically the line that, you know, it's almost like you still don't trust me after all of these years of being of being friends. And he goes something like, don't. And he goes, you're learning. Yeah, you know, that's you know, like. I'm happy for you. You're learning. That's a Garrick. That's a Garrick. That's quote, Garrick's you know, go. That's a Garricky. That's his go-to, you've earned my respect. When someone, Mm -hmm. he did the same thing with Cisco. Like, I don't trust you at all. Like, well, that's the first honest thing you've said. Like, oh, you're learning. It's the same kind of shtick, but. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 this is Slim Pickens, buddy. I had to say something nice. (laughs) Yeah, this was like, I mean, it's hard to even really talk about. I mean, I guess we can take it piece by piece. But it's hard to even talk about because I felt like it was just lumpy. I don't know. It's hard to th- okay. Yeah, me- yeah. Defend it. Defend it. Like, I mean, what did you enjoy about it? Okay, <laughs> it's because we don't get TV like this. It's a different style of television. It's in arguably like we've had these other Deep Space Nine episodes, especially where ooh, this is where people get to play against type or they're acting completely different. And in this instance, with everybody playing, yes, granted, two-dimensional aspects of his mind or whatever, but they're at least, at least we have an excuse for them playing against their type instead of some dumb bullshit Bajoran menopause or space magic aliens making everybody think that they're in season one acting like dumb at, like, ancient aliens maybe that they don't explain so well Joanna's persona yes <laughs> and except in this it's like it's it's a total i mean they're playing with all the sets that they have but it's a bottle episode and the bottle is Julian Bashir's mind mm-hmm. and there's other <laughs> i feel like there's other contemporary shows that maybe <laughs> uh, well by the time this yes. releases maybe we'll have more insight into just the exact ins and outs of that that also play with this kind of concept. But now in this, like the first act or it's even almost the first half of the show, they don't exactly tell you what the deal is. And you kind of have an idea of, cause everybody's disappeared from the station and you, it's unexplainable. And then you're like, well, maybe it's something. And then once you, once the audience figures out like, Oh, this must be all Julian's like, fever dream mm-hmm. once the audience figures that out he figures that out they're not pussyfooting around like ooh, making you do all the work they're just like oh yeah y'all are all aspects of me in some ways it's kind of cheap and doesn't trust the audience but in other ways it's like we're not gonna dick around and spend all this time with these mysteries that we're just not gonna so- tell you what the answer is we're just gonna tell you you know, instead of having a M. Night Shyamalan or Westworld reveal at the end of shit that some people have already figured out, they're just like, oh, yeah, once Julian hears the voices and they're talking about him being in a coma, he's like, oh, I'm in a coma. Here's a tricorder scan. Y'all are all fake. Y'all are part of me. Okay. I admit that drawing that out would be bad, but it's almost like the alternative is just as bad, where it's like, 
oh, you're all in my head, and you're my doubt, and you're my courage, and you're my confidence, and you need a heart. And <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and I was like, well, okay, everybody's got, everybody's labeled, everybody knows their role to play. And hey, The Wizard of Oz is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a, such a, I don't know, like, first off, I question how much I hate this episode because I think... And I'm now, like I've said this before, I, I think that I used to think that he was talented, and now I'm totally reassessing that. I just think Alexander Siddig is just, like, he is below See, the Mendoza line of actors. I he was going like, to say, this, this was going to be me pointing out that he can do a better job. I mean, his physicality, yeah, it's old, twitchy old man, but it's like, it's... I think it's good. His old man, it's like him being an old Jewish man or whatever, if that's your criticism. But I think no, he I, is... He got he's he's got his theatrical kind of like mask. He's, he's got done no his charisma. Like it's like his, he plays. Uh, I mean, I guess it's fine that he's playing the note, but he ain't like he, he he literally is just not interesting to watch. He doesn't bring anything to his lines. He doesn't bring any. Oh man, you're going like for your snatching at Sadig's wig here. Yeah, like I don't. He doesn't. I'm not. He is. I don't. I mean. This is that's it's kind of subjective because I kind of came to a different conclusion. But, yeah, right, but I mean, like, I mean, okay, if you were going to make a show, you're going to build a workplace comedy, and everybody's fun and lively and engaging, and unlike Gazzy's broad personality. But one, you wanted one character to be the office boring person, and you were British, like you know, obviously that he's a Brit and that he's that he's. He's a person of color makes it more interesting for American television. So you wouldn't do that. But if you were going to do it, like he is so boring. He talks so slow. He talks so monotone. He says everything exactly how you would think. So every emotion he feels is so regulated and compressed. And it's just, it's like he's base level Shakespearean actor. I see. He has got no movie star in him at all. I just, I see that as Star Trek acting is a little bit that's not broad. pat stewart it's broader. that's not jonathan frakes that's not even o'brien or avery brooks <laughs> not avery brooks are you fucking kidding me that's what i'm saying avery brooks brings <laughs> are you kidding avery me avery brooks brings panache he's the broadest actor that's, that's my, my complaint no. of avery brooks is he's like this broad theatrical kind of guy the same same shit that sadiq is doing no, in this no i don't he's when the you opposite say that's, of that but she he is boring i disagree wait a minute you might not like cisco's ticks but he's not boring. You're when he's on the screen, you're watching him. This is that's not me shitting on Cisco. This is me saying that he does he does broad kind of theatrical acting, which is the same thing that uh, Sadiq is no, doing. No, I this, think that's the this. opposite. Like, that's, I think Sadiq is boring as shit. Oh, you are my confidence. You must have <laughs> somehow always been that, and you are my fear. My, I'm just my. Like, he's doing the old shit, and it's like. The same thing, it's not the most naturalistic acting, but that's not what Avery Brooks does either. Oh, I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about charisma. Uh, that's, that, like, 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 yeah, well, well, I mean, like, I mean, like, the Shat, the Shat, the Shat, the William Shatner has no naturalistic acting bone in his body. Yeah. But he's un unwatchable. Well, yeah. You the, cannot stop watching William Shatner say Oh, so. I, I, I agree. I just disagree how, I mean, that's, that's my defense of Cisco's acting too. I've made the, contention before on the podcast that he's the most Shatner-esque captain that we get just because his acting is kind of so theatrical and Mm -hmm. not necessarily naturalistic. But when it's good, it's great in the same way that I think 
people give Shatner. Shatner's great too, but it's not naturalist. No. And I finally saw some charisma, and this wasn't natu- the most naturalistic acting either. But where you see it just is just phoned in shit. I don't think it's phoned in. I think he's planned. working hard. I, just, I don't I think he's doing the best little job he can. I just it, it was just collapsed. <laughs> yeah. You just think well, it's I think, all. Yeah, talk, I think yeah, you're talking I just about don't... style, and I think we're talking about charisma. And whereas that, yes, yeah. he's got that broad style. Cisco has got that broad style, but it's the but I'm talking. Well, I'm just saying that I disagree about the charisma and broad part of it is the broad kind of theatrical acting in this. But I, I'm just saying that I I saw this as him doing good work better work than we usually see from him. And you're saying this is the same old... And more of it. <laughs> yeah, the more... This is the same Bashir that we've seen the whole time, and it's awful, the same awful that we've come to know and not love from it. And I actually kind of enjoyed this one a little bit more. And him specifically, because, well, this this episode is all Bashir, and we're yeah. finally starting to flesh out more Bashir. Like, we've got more characterization you for him. You call fleshing out. I see, but that, a lot of that was just crammed in the last act. I mean, it, it hasn't even... Uh, but they crammed a lot into that last but act. But it wasn't even earned. I, see, I disagree. Way I don't, too much. It's like they sprung it on us. It was like, where did all this bullshit of self-doubt come from? He hasn't had this in this... In, Two and a half seasons, he hasn't had any of this. For the first two acts, he hasn't had any of this. So from turning 30 to being a piss baby about turning 30 in the first scene to having all sorts of, I don't know. Yeah, well, he has had some of it in the first act. He turns into a piss baby in the the cold open. Uh, Yeah, but the tennis shit and and just the, I don't know, man. Uh, The tennis stuff works with, I mean, it, it, it helps with where we go with the character. It helps with where we've gone in the past, where he's this blowhard guy. And we, I mean, he, he talks about his youth a little bit, even in that Melora episode. And one, mm. and then he talks about tennis and stuff in this when we know he's in the racquetball. And, and then the aspects in the last scene at the very end where he's talking about the Lethian uh, is telling him that he could have been great at tennis and he knows it, but he gave it up just because because his parents wanted and he didn't want to disappoint his parents. So he became a doctor It's like that's a nice touch and it helps where and the fact that he could have been first in his class, but he purposefully <laughs> failed that answered the wrong question, ridiculous, which and totally out of character. That plays in so well to where we know his character <laughs> goes. I don't see how that's out of character at all. And spoilers, oh especially for the, well, the what, yeah, later oh revelations, God. it's that's perfect. That's actually for that. brought up like the re- that's actually there's an inside joke in that because what was it in Melora where he says that he messed up the nerve ending? Yes. Okay, that Robert Hewitt Wolf's wife was is a vet or was a vet. A, his girlfriend or wife, when he wrote this episode, was a veterinarian. And she said, and I guess she went to pre-med, and she said this is such a fundamental question that it's laughable that he missed it. Yeah, he mistook a pre-ganglionic fiber for a post-ganglionic nerve, which is not a thing that... A- she accused him that that's something that a writer would think would be similar, but they're not. <laughs> and the fact that he missed it shows like a <laughs> Trump-like level of idiocy as opposed to just like a... Basic, like a like a civil mistake. Yeah, a first year cadet would would not make that mistake. Yeah, and so he has to write that he did it on purpose. So that was Robert Hewitt Wolf trying to like sand down a rough spot in the history in the lore yeah. of the show. All right, that feels more like that's what that is. And then that. they have to go back later and sand it down a different. Who cares what it is? That's where good writing comes from. You you find the tweaks. Continuous the... retcon. 
No, it's not a retcon. It's just sounds, it's sounds like, like oh, what James explained was a retcon, and then we get a retcon later. Well, that's an explanation of it, and then that's like where you get nuance and yeah. uh, more diverse and real. It's like <laughs> real life is messy, and I, and the mistakes is where you make creative ideas come from mistakes. You can that's make, true. It's that's not true. a poor instinct to fix that. Right. Yeah, I think that I think it's a poor instinct. I think there was a lot of poor instincts in this episode, and one of which is to draw out the myth and then just basically then just all open the kimono in one scene and have everything spelled out for you. And then run around for 10 more minutes not really doing anything. And then you have to spend all of this time with him unpacking all of this personal baggage, but without someone that we have a personal relationship with. It's not, I mean, it's with that got the lithian. It's not with Garrick. It's not with an actor playing his dad. It's not even with Dad. See, I... Like... Well, it's with the lithian through the... Garrick disguise that the Lethian. All right. I mean, we don't have to go through scene by scene, but do we need to set up how it's structured or anything? I guess we can. Yeah. Or, or do we not? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that we can. I'm saying that it all basically culminates into a head where he knows that he's in a coma. I'm not totally sure that I, he, well, it starts off with the meal between Garrick and Bashir. We learn that he's turning 30 and he's, he's all weird about it. And it's just a, when you hit 30, it becomes harder and harder to ignore the passage of time. And I was watching that and I was like, fuck you, I'm 37. <laughs> and this is where, <laughs> oh, this is where you start to learn. It marks the end of youth and the beginning of the slow march into middle You're age. You're entering middle age, and but that's my own shit that I have to deal with. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway. it's so awful when you turn thirty. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, oh, you know, go go fuck, go fuck yourselves, writers. Uh, anyway, but again, that's my shit. But uh, Garrett gives him a birthday present of a Cardassian Enigma tale hollow tape of the great writer Shogoth, which I know I'm the resident Lovecraft guy. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> on this, but yeah. that's uh, a Shogoth is a Lovecraftian monster. I thought that was just an interest. Somebody in the writers, they didn't pick the name Shogoth as a Cardassian writer out of nowhere. And also that the episode later on kind of goes into this kind of nightmare, horror, dream kind of stuff is actually a nice, maybe that's a, it feels like it had to have been a reference by the writers to throw that reference yeah, in. But that, that's just. And they, they, again, I think this is the twice they've went in this area and I just, I'm not a, fan of them doing the horror pursuit thing but i don't know like it, it doesn't work for me yeah <laughs> but i your mileage varies on yeah because the horror because it worked for me pretty well like all the shadows and darkness and he's running down the hallway where the shadow keeps going and i thought the score for this episode was done well it's a very horror movie movie kind of score like most of the time you hear so much just of that white noise star trek mm -hmm. background noise which I, I hate especially when i have to put clips into the episodes like ah oh, it's like beep 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 whoop, whoop. you don't notice when you're watching it but in this one it was all like i mean i'm sure it's still you know casio score but it's all strings and kind of like the mood music I, it was good yeah I it thought. said it was based on Penderecki music which is the same composer that was used to influ influence Johnny Greenwood in writing the score to There Will Be Blood oh wow so, <laughs> see, yeah see there you go and it does have and if you listen to it I, I read that when I was doing my second rewatch I was like really I didn't know shit and then they do do those like sort of horn drops that are very characteristic to There Will Be Blood score and Penderecki himself so yeah yeah, yeah so it's 
I get it. So, yeah, and I like, like that about the episode. Yeah, yeah. So it was a more interesting, more went into the score than a normal episode. Yeah, and, and I noticed that myself. But the, yeah, so the Lethian wants biomimetic jail. <laughs> Julian's a dick or a shitty Starfleet officer. The guy breaks into the and puts him into a coma because he's a psychic monster. Like a Shogoth? I don't know. I can't remember what Shogoth, Shogoth. I always pronounced it Shogoth when I was reading, but who knows? It's a Lovecraft monster, but that's not what this is. That's just a reference that's not. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's going through and it's like the station is completely evacuated. There's nobody there. It's his brain, man. Yeah, it's his brain and it's all. And, you know, I like the switch after the cold open where there's nobody there and you're, you're left like wondering what the fuck happened to the station. It's not that obvious that you're in his mind just yet. You're just like wondering where the fuck everybody is. And that's like horror movie stuff, too. Like the weird. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. And. He goes in and Quark's whimpering behind the counter and there's a monster throwing stuff and he runs around, looks in the mirror and then he's going gray in the temples. Mm -hmm. And and then personally, I just, the thought came to my head. It's like, oh my God, it's Raish Al Julian. Yeah, he does that. He does look good too. He would be... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're getting and um, as you know We're getting that right. He's getting that on Gotham, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He's playing Rochelle Goal on TV coming up. Mm. And I think he'll be great, even because I don't think he's as bad an actor as Ra- is Rachel Gold noted for his lack of charisma. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> he's just gonna have gout and sit there and then die real yeah, fast. Yeah, that's <laughs> what happened, yeah. I don't know. Here's my thing. Here's what I think. You sit there, like, I remember when he was cast, and I go, I love Deep Space Nine, and I love Game of Thrones. He's going to be awesome on this. I'm so excited. And then they cast him, and then you wait half a season. You're like, oh, I know they're just building for when he's going to have this giant scene, and it's going to be really powerful. And then, like, it doesn't. And then the next season, and then they just kill him in the first episode of the next season. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can say that. You can't blame that on him. You can. You can. I can af- blame that on him. he didn't earn. You it. can't make. You can't prove it though. Oh no. <laughs> you can. You can assume that's what it is, but you can't prove shit. Your allegations do not My stand. My allegations is that good actors get work. Not provable in a court of law. Good actors get work. And you know what? He's he was just cast as Rachel Gould on a good show. He's getting work. He's getting more work than the rest of these guys. Ah, Cole Meany does okay. Well, look, I'm not shit. I'm not here to shit on Cole Meany because <laughs> Cole Meany has charisma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. I'm just saying, this is a bigger, more. Well, he, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. I don't. Does anyone? I don't. Do, does Gotham? Do, I mean, I know it's a network show, but does he do do well for a network show? It's not canceled yet. I don't know. I don't watch it. I'm not a big fan. But I have I haven't watched any. Yeah, haven't either. What are you gonna do? It looks awful. Like it looks just not good. Even though it's got a Denal Logue in it, who I love. So yeah, it's, I hate that I don't. Oh yeah, I like him. Too. Did you ever watch Terriers? Yeah, Terriers is great. Oh my god, that show was great. He was so great in that show. Yeah, he was. What are we on right now? What are we, where were we at? Uh, we were talking about uh, whether Bashir sucks or not. I think we were talking about charisma <laughs> and what. Well, that I think what equates. I, uh, I think we were past. He's walking around the ship, but he's about to walk in and find the cast. With forced conflict, arguing with oh, each other. Yeah. Right. Okay, but yeah, we we so, are yeah. we are already past that. Basically, we were getting to like the resolve in the third act where he's confronting, and I don't even understand the mechanism in which he actually succeeds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how his. See, I like. I, I don't know. That was that was well, thin soup. Well, I I took notes, motherfuckers. Right. Yes, explain. <laughs> this it. is okay. Yes. So he finds that he finds the ops crew, and they all represent different shit. Yeah, who cares? And then um, they're all dying. The monster takes him ev- off everybody to 
kills him piece by piece. He talks to Cisco for a second, and then Cisco immediately gets dragged off and killed. And he's getting older and older. But by this point, he's realized that everybody's just an aspect of himself. So we don't have to pussyfoot around and and wonder why they're acting so weird. They explain it to us once he figures it out, and we don't have to drag it out, which I appreciated. Then he knows he has to get back to ops. He finds cowardly O'Brien again. They finds Garrick. When he's super old and he can't walk anymore, and then Garrick is the one aspect of his brain that he can't figure out. Even in his brain, Garrick's like the mysterious, even in my brain, I'm the one that you can't figure out, and then he takes him to ops. And then we have the whole revelations about him uh, lying to himself about why he, he wasn't a great tennis player because he just gave up and changed it because he didn't want to disappoint his parents, didn't want the, the pressure of being number one in his class, so he purposefully got a question wrong which turns out it was a dumb thing from a ex-girlfriend of one of the writers <laughs> to call him out on, but I think that's a good aspect of the show. Good use of that failure to make something better. Then they get into ops, and he's, he's super old. He's broken a hip, and he's pulling, trying to get to the right panel to get to things, and tennis balls fall all over it's him. Goofy. Which are, it's, it's weird. But I'll, I'll ride with it. I liked it, because it's, like, it's part of his interior brain it's just expressionistic kind of stuff which i I thought this episode did somewhat well y'all don't that's fine (laughs) (laughs) that was weird i didn't say i didn't like it yeah i didn't like it but i didn't say (laughs) yeah i know you didn't like it but that's thank you for being nice to me and (laughs) uh and then he realizes that this garrick's been helping him out and he and he realizes it's the lethian oh who who has a name rick Uh, Altavar, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought was Turkey Waddle for a while. Yeah, it does. It it looks like it's the the same base makeup for latex for Turkey Waddle, but maybe with like a trim. It's Turkey Waddle with spikes and not the dumb nose. Yeah, what did you call him? Handle face. Handle face. Yeah, yeah. Handle face. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think he was like the North American handle face to this guy's South American handle face. <laughs> right. That does not have a connected handle. Yeah. A Galapagos, Galapagos handle, <laughs> like handle face. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. Galapagos handle faces have evolved a telepathic attack. Yes. Uh, because even before all this, we've learned that Julian knows that he's in a telepathic coma because this Lethian has put him in one and the Lethian has been killing off every part of his brain blah 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 yeah every part of his brain like when o'brien resets the communicate subspace communications relay he can hear what's going on so that's when he learns he's in the coma he goes to ops because he needs to restart the central computer i.e get his body working again his brain repair the damage turns out the lethian's there he calls the lethian out then he realizes the the center of the station might be ops but the center of his universe is sick bay so he goes back to sip bay and the lethian is like no no and then he realizes he has control of it it's my mind he says it is my mind and then he puts the lethian in a uh, containment field and zaps him and then he wakes up and then he has his wizard of oz moment yeah and then they have dinner and then he has another meal with garrick and and boy that sure was a sticky situation yeah, it, was wasn't a, it was a sticky situation after experiencing life at 100 plus turning 30 doesn't seem that bad anymore Good thing to have everything back to normal. Yeah, and I guess he the the, the Galapagos handle face got arrested pretty quickly. So Oh yeah, he's like, Yeah, Odo got that guy in like two minutes after he left the place. Yeah. 
This might be the episode I hated the most. <laughs> I, 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 have to, I have to say, I have, what, what is the running? I mean, like, okay, it's weird that I know that, that we're so divided on this. I don't know if it's just like the worst. It was the one where it was like, it was everything that was personally annoying to me. Because I like some dumb shit. I liked watching Move Along Home. I'd watch Move Along Home a thousand times. Like, Fascination was bad. This one was like all of the worst sort of things I don't like about Deep Space Nine and Star Trek in general. And it was all kind of wrapped up in the one. See, because I liked it. it. It's taking a conceit. Like, okay, we're going to do an episode that just all takes care in it. It's like Twilight Zone, Star Trek at its best. It's taking a, a concept and just doing it with an episode of ideas of like, what if we did that? This would have never made it to Twilight Zone. But that... An episode. Well, I'm I'm saying Star Trek. Yeah, okay. it's like <laughs> Twilight Zone in space. Yeah, and this isn't the original series, but it's like let's take this idea. What if this whole thing was inside this person's head? And we're going to do a character episode about this person where the space station is their mind, and they do which it. Which is not a awful. I mean, like I, I love the Pixar movie Inside Out. Yeah, this is totally Inside Out. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's the conceit. I mean, yeah. Inside Out's better. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll agree. <laughs> the conceit of Inside Out. It is uh, even Herman's head uh, from the eighties. The oh, I meant to make out. Oh, that was what I was going to bring up in my intro. Like the, wow. the greatest show to take the place inside someone's head in the nineties after the cancellation of Herman's head in nineteen ninety three. Maybe I don't remember when that. I don't happened. remember. What it was, but yeah, Herman's head. Uh, yeah, Her- like, Herman's head, season three or four. I don't know how many that were. I think that what it is, I think that there is an impulse still in this writer's room to view these characters as merely types. And this is accessed by Iris Stephen Bear always liking these episodes like Dramatis Personae and this and others. (laughs) Fascination. Where you get to, and the Mirror Universe stuff, where you get to see them, ooh, it was so fun to watch them play against types. Like, he really has a heart on for that. And, like, I don't... Just make the characters more interesting. Make them do... If you want to see them do that, make them do something idiosyncratic. Yeah. You know? And then, like, make that build as a part of the character. I mean, people do weird shit all the time. They do shit against their character type all the time. Yeah. Do that. But every time we have to do it, it's like we feel like that there's this... There is a Cisco... And not he's not a human being. He's not a fleshed out, fully devotion. Like he's not a full man with autonomy. He is a type, and Kira is a type, and we all get to play with the types. And I think that what what betrays that is that they like to play against these types, and it just it's such a that's such a boring way to do a character, right? And it's not a way to make me go back and constant like a good show. See, this is this this show isn't about the uh, everybody else's type. So this show is just about Bashir, and it doesn't play against his type. It plays just him and different aspects of what's going on in his brain. Which I get your problem. This is an ensemble show. It should be about the ensemble, <laughs> and they use the ensemble <laughs> this episode to is play not. against type or to play to, types w- in this episode. The, they use the ensemble to, and they do that later on with Dax. In a few times where I won't spoil it, but we'll yeah, get to that. I think that's coming up soon. You're talking about facets is the episode. Yeah. 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 That's coming up soon. Yeah. 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 So they, it's an ensemble show, and but this is a Bashir episode. And you know what? 
the other people's characterizations don't really matter. They're there to support what we're talking, the story we're talking about Bashir. They don't matter in except that I got to sit down and want to watch the show for an hour. Yeah. And so you're right that they don't matter intellectually, but I watch a show. I mean, I, I watch a show to like being grossed in something. And if you're going to, I guess I, even if they're not playing the same character, it just seems like, like everything was a type and there was no sort of like sort of yeah. strange interest to peer through that's cheaper if they were less of them if it was like odo o'brien and dax have to walk him through this thing and you get to do like like inside out where these characters are types the lewis black character is a hothead type yeah but they, there is a nuance and a weird interplay between them in the show and specifically the phyllis from the office and Leslie, no, like that they're right, they're, right. It's, it's, Well, in this, it's not that they don't spend it's they spend less time with them in this. Yeah, that's they, true. You know, they come in for a scene or two and then they they get cast off and killed. But they're so caustic when you meet them. Like, it's almost so aggressively. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And you're right. And it, it, you're right. And a lot of time this goes down to just do I like. Not just the character of Julian Bashir, but do I like Alexander Sadig? And it just sounds sounds like you don't. I think I think I think I, I, think I learned again, relearned. And I know I, how Hugh feels. Yes, <laughs> I relearned. You know what 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 was going on with me in that? So that's where I get from this. All right, that's yeah, fair enough. All right. Do we want to do re- rankings for this? I don't know what else to say about this. Yeah, yeah. You guys want to do the. You want to guess on what the I'm good folks of IMDb think about this? Oh, oh, I do. I, I'm I'm going to guess that they rank it a little bit higher than you guys do. <laughs> I'm going to say probably too. All right, start the betting, somebody. Um, I'm going to say a seven seven point seven. Mm, I'm not going to say that. Oh, seven point two. Oh man, you guys shot the moon on this. This is six point five. Everybody knows this episode's dog shit. Whoa, thank you. Oh wait, yay! Ouch. <laughs> oh, y'all win. <laughs> um, hold on. Uh, well, now, hold on. You're yeah. not entirely alone here, Wade. Uh, there is one soul that uh, thinks that this is a good episode. Is it our- Plankton Rules? <laughs> well, no. It's uh, here. Let me, oh, damn. let me see what Plankton Rules thinks. Plankton Rules is not the first. Rare is- oh, no, no, no. Plankton Rules hates this episode. Gave it two stars out of ten. <laughs> Ouch. Which Plankton Rules, I don't know if I've ever seen he or she give anything to. <laughs> yeah, at two Plankton Rules. The last paragraph of this, this uh, review entitled A Lousy Episode, which follows another lousy episode. This really felt like a badly written episode, which it was. Slow, slow, and slow. Just sort of cerebral and glacial episodes I hate. I sure hope the next episode is more action back. I'm sorry, excuse me. This one was just awful. Something I really don't think some Trekkies are willing to admit ever happens with any episode. As for my family, they could admit it and begged me to turn this one off. So actually, now that I I'm not I'm not recanting any of my statements, <laughs> but when I was watching when I was watching it a second time, I did think to myself like, oh, this feels really long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, there are two. There's two people on here on the same like they give it a eight out of ten stars. So people, it's like a dividing episode. Mm-hmm. People either love this episode or they hate it. Okay. Uh, and we are the same. All right. You guys want to see what we're, we're doing next week? Yes. Okay. T- oh, oh, guess what? Guess what, Hugh? <laughs> What's that? 
Mirror Universe. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, Next episode. Mirror Mirror Universe O'Brien steals normal universe Avery Brooks to go talk to Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer. Yes. Smiley. Sm- yeah, yeah yes. Jennifer. So Ooh. they... they <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, the actress who played Jennifer, seems to maybe have fallen on hard times, and they wanted to get her some work. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Way to go. So whereas I might see us as digging ourselves out of the hole of the third season, we're crawling out a, a river of shit to get out clean on the other side. Like, Yeah. I, I don't know if we, I don't know if that's the case here, but there is a lot of like... A, <laughs> We, we have the tail end, and they always kind of bunch up the quality at the end of these seasons. I know we have a lot of we have a lot of big episodes coming up. The, the last time. Right. There's 26 in this one. Yeah. So, so we got, we, we're getting there. We got, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Just jumping into some voicemails. <laughs> Not sure why I'm talking like this. All right. I've been thinking. All right. Here we are in our priority nocturnal transmissions from mm. Richard <laughs> Coombs. Hey, man, that sounds sexy. Hey. Nocturnal emissions of the reanimator. Yeah, just us three guys getting <laughs> sexy with the reanimator. Wouldn't it be great if Jeffrey Combs was on our podcast? Oh, yeah, that... Hey. Like he, he was just one of us. Like we had a four-person podcast. And one of them <laughs> every time. Yeah, what's he up to? I don't know, but he would tell stories about working with Corman. Mm-hmm. You know, like it would just be great. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's listening right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so he can give us a call if he he can, yeah, he can just, call in. Hey, Je- Jeff. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can give us a trial run. Call into the number. It, it's a uh, oh, it's. What is the number? Oh, I'll tell you. It's 917-408-3898. We would love to hear from you, Mr. Combs. Yeah. And all you other people, too. I mean, we can right now, we can probably guarantee all of the proceeds we make from the podcast can go to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll throw it all your way. Yeah. Every last... Every last... I guess. Everything that we make. <laughs> <laughs> Fractional currency? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, give me, give me, give me some voicemails or whatever. Everybody. All right. All right. Yes. Yes. We'll start off here from our good friend Warren Cantrell. Ten. Oh, I used his last name, but it's on Twitter. Okay. Ten rant on Twitter. I think the general rule is if your name is on your Twitter handle, yeah, then that's like, kind of where you're I'm fair, at. You're, fair, you're you doxed yourself. You're fair. <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. Right? If, Warren, Warren, if you want us to not use your name, you let us know. We'll be nice. But I. I yeah. Right. But you're on Twitter. It's fine. Operating assumption until told otherwise. Agreed. All right, so here we go. Fellas, Warren from Seattle here, uh, dropping you a quick message about uh, a couple things, but most specifically Odo. I uh, had tweeted to you guys here not too long ago, and I've been thinking more about it, and I just can't get this uh, unstuck from my craw, but what has happened to the constable in terms of his role on Deep Space Nine as a a police force, as a detective, and really more of the latter. He was set up in the first two seasons as being sort of this Batman in space as far as detective work, supposed to be the greatest detective in the quadrant. What happened to that? Um, I mean, this season started off strong with uh, the search part one and two, which did some really great background and, and Odo work, but it seemed to just move him further and further away as a character from what they have built up for him up to this point, which was as a detective. Um, not seeing a whole lot between him and Quark, uh, the adversarial relationship that, again, they built up, up to this point. 
And, uh, yeah, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that because it seems weird that uh, one of the things that was working about the show in the first couple of seasons, uh, namely Odo being a great detective and being sort of this foil for Quark and that relationship, has just sort of gone away this season. And, um, yeah, as a season, it's sort of hit and miss anyway. But, uh, yeah, what's up with that? I mean, maybe, James, from uh, Memory Alpha, do you have any background on what happened or why the shift took place? But, uh, anyway, I wanted to kind of throw that to the group and see what you thought. And then to give a quick shout out to Twiggy uh, and listening to one of the older episodes a couple of days ago, I uh, rediscovered his take on Meridian and that guy who's supposed to teach Dax about um, going down on the ladies, which, I, you know, Twiggy, you hit it on the head. I mean, with all these lifetimes of experience as both a man and a woman, you'd think the woman would know how to go downtown. And uh, it seems pretty stupid that someone would try and uh, coach her through that. So. Good looking out, Twiggy. Great take. Always love your stuff, but uh, that one was especially fire. So, in any event, take it easy, fellas. Thanks again for all you do, and catch you on the flip side. <laughs> I would say the last thing first. Sometimes you have to teach to show you can. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe he was peacocking a little bit there. <laughs> oh, oh, the the guy from Lost yeah, that was yeah. pretty great in Lost, right. but bad in that episode. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's. There's a lot of pickup artists on Deep Space Nine. Him and Bashir. Yeah, yeah. They do a lot of peacock. He's uh, he's uh, he's uh, showing. He's trying to prove his metal there. Yeah. But he's teaching, so he's got a mansplain. <laughs> sure. How good he is. Goddamn. But you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's plausible deniability. I'm sure the writer's like, no, that's, that's not what it's about. Yeah. But that's totally what it's about. Mm. Uh, anyways. Yeah, the Detective Odo stuff. I, I I believe Warren even had sent us a twit on Twitter. He's like, after he sent this uh, voicemail, like he's like, oh man, now he's being a detective again. Yeah, with the last episode. Yeah, I I do think like that. Well, is- they, listen, they got a lot of moving parts. They've neglected Dax. She hasn't done anything related to science for a whole season either. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of their duties, other than O'Brien suffering and having to fix shit, um, are neglected in the stories quite a bit yeah and i think they've taken a hard turn because odo has been shocked uh by his heritage and so they focus on that whenever we see him so i figured i think, I, I yeah. think just yeah. the, the changeling storyline has changed his direction yeah mostly i feel like his role now is to lean against a door jam put it across his arms <laughs> and say you know i've noticed this about humanoids yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it is a, and I, I don't know, like I, I haven't read anything on Memory Alpha, but I, they're pushing the Kira stuff seems, more than anything else too. It seems like maybe that, like I don't know, it seemed like everything that they were doing, and they lost a, I don't know, I think maybe they're doing like they're looking at the numbers. Yeah, and I, this, this smells like they're looking at the numbers. I mean, like obviously they shake up quite a bit in the fourth season, and a lot of that looks like it's trying to be by the numbers, right? And I, I just happened to like it, but I get it just as easily not liked it. Um, well, they also don't have Peter Allen Fields, who is like the man from Uncle. Oh yeah, he was doing all that, and he did the yeah. And it seems like the spy stuff, or like that kind of stuff, that would be interesting. They've done a lot of Garrick episodes, yeah. And I want to say that like they felt like they've done a lot of Garrick and Bashir work this season yeah and obviously cisco work you know not all of it but it, like it's starting to work so like yeah i think that that's that's an issue that yeah and there's really not a, a whole lot of quirk and odo too actually he that's that that has been like even when odo has been more detective he's not really interacting with quirk like they used to be the buddy mm-hmm. 
they were the duo. There's a lot of duos in the show. But yeah, and I think that you do that in the numbers and you see what you get. But I I do think that Odo they shifted him to where he was an interesting character full stop in a sentence. Yeah. But now he's an interesting character in relation to the the grand mythos narrative of the story of the Dominion War, the uncut you know, the coming Dominion issues and stuff like that. So like so now I think they can only use him like that in this sort of super cool, you know, he's he's a detective and he's also plastic man. You know, I think that they've dropped that and that's a problem. Like I would like to see an episode where he's just got to, you know, like solve a case. You right. Know? We haven't had any noir. Yeah. I think I've, season two was all about doing noir. Yeah. Season three just kind of dropped that, you know, mm. it's like necessary evil and stuff. And yeah, they're, they're doing like complicated, like what I like. I mean, right. Right. Sensibly, which is like complicated stories about structures, stories about interweaving complicated things like political, political military and all that stuff. They're doing a lot of those kind of stories this season, but I like that. And episodic television is, you know, not something I dig. But yeah, that worked. That Odo stuff worked. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Except for that clone episode in the first season, that was all. Oh, episode three or four of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Where they grow the Yeah, that was bad. But you know, we'll forgive season one at this point. Water under the bridge. I, we've made. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. They can't ever hurt us anymore. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Are you still there, Hugh? Yeah. I'm just listening to you. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. All right. So now we have. Another voicemail here from Jeffrey Miller One. Y'all ready to jump into it? Hit it. Hey, y'all. Uh, it's your old pal, Jeffrey Miller One from uh, Twitter. I haven't talked to you in a while. Just wanted to comment when y'all were talking about is the cast uh, a little too chummy with each other. I think you make a good point there. Um, and there, you're right. There really isn't any foundation for it. I think it's really more respect and admiration through association. So if you think about like the next generation had the poker game, and you've got to assume that they played every week, even though you saw it like four times in the whole series. But, you know, senior staff all got together and they all played and everybody, you know, had friends and loved each other and, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And you're right. In DS9, it's totally different. You've got Julian and uh, O'Brien, and then you've got Dax and Kira and Dax and Cisco and Kira and Cisco and Kira and Odo. But I think that if you said, you know, Odo and O'Brien, I think there would be admiration there because Odo and Kira and Kira and Cisco and Cisco and O'Brien, or in the other respect, Odo to Kira, Kira to Dax, Dax to O'Brien. And I think it's, I'd have to assume that they think that everybody understands that they all just hang out at Quarks afterward. And I think that's just what they're trying to imply. But you're right, it is a little bland. Um, anyway, haven't talked to you in a while. Just wanted to say, hey, keep up the good work. I think y'all are doing a great job. And uh, talk to you later. Bye. Oh, Richard Picardo. <laughs> what do you say? Richard Picardo. Richard Picardo. Oh, okay. The thing is, is that I think, yeah, what happens is, is that when you think of story possibilities, whenever you're like, hey, wouldn't it be neat if Dax, you know, had some sort of adventure with, you know, fill in the blank. And, you know, you think about the story possibilities and that that seems to be what's missing there's a lot of cross-pollination of relationships 
and relationship building yeah. from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, I, like it seems like it sparks imagination, but they never really go there. Yeah, like it's not a. I feel like they don't nurture a. They don't nurture a fertile soil enough. Like of all. Although of these, I mean, I guess I can't think of one conversation Beverly Crusher had with Jordy that wasn't about his visor. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like she gave him dating advice one time or something like Jordy. Just Jordy, you're 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 coming on too strong. Yeah, <laughs> that's the dating advice. Okay, see, there you go. And remember whenever uh, Troy and Beverly did did uh, aerobics together? Oh, I totally remember that. That's the most... Uh, we should do a whole podcast on that. That's the most problematic episode of Star <laughs> Which <one>? Trek ever. <laughs> the one the where, aerobics, uh, let's get physical episode. Oh. Yeah, with the one where the doctor, the attorney from Silicon Valley, who's a, a, a method, that actor plays a... <laughs> right. A, a, What's she called? Oh, he's a betazoid. Betazoid. He's a betazoid negotiator. And And he basically mind rapes her twice in the episode. It's not not good. It's it's the most problematic episode ever. But it's totally interesting in like how it's laid out. But um, (laughs) like I, I get the feeling that they don't spend enough. Like I think that Star Trek probably is just in general has a problem of pitching plots. A lot of people like I have a I have a Star Trek story to tell. But like when you think about like when you look back on your appreciation of the fandom you have an appreciation of them doing yoga or or i guess aerobics like like jazzercise no no, it's it's always it's they've got their terry cloth karate robes or geese that Worf is teaching them Klingon a judo or something. Or yeah, or the or, or they jazzercise. Or him talking about King Lear or Bones and Kirk talking about Romulan ale. There's a lot of these like interpersonal sort of things. And I don't think that they till the soil enough in this show to where like Oh, I, you know, like when you look back on an episode, it seems like they are very, some of them are just plot poorly plotted, but they're methodical, but there's not a lot of like flavor in it. There's not a lot of like, oh, you remember that weird scene between this and that where it was, just, you know, there's not a lot of that going on in this show right now. I just want more of that. I want more of like little scenes where, where the, yeah, where ca- little character points come out or yeah. I, and I think my point in the episode was that it, I liked that about I specifically said Firefly. I use that yeah. as a highly contentious workplace drama where a lot of people had complicated feelings. I could also said The Office too, right? Or any sort of workplace show where oh my god, all of, yeah. yeah, I know how everybody feels about somebody else in The Office. Yeah, yeah. and like things that like you don't ever. I don't. I can't name an episode where it's about how much Jim hates Ryan. But over by season five, it's very clear that Jim, like the deep hatred that Jim has for Ryan. Right. And like. Right. Or that Phyllis went to high school with Michael Scott and they're always, and Michael always forgets that they're the same age and treats her like a grandmother. Yeah. I mean, there's, yes. there's lots of little stuff. Like that's not what the episode's about, but that yeah, stuff yeah. happens. Yeah. I'm These not, Chase Nine, I feel like they get, they get kind of caught up in failing the Bechdel test. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> Where it's just like, tell me about that guy without a, without, with a translucent skull again, Dax. Okay, Kira. Yeah, yeah, they, they <laughs> like, can't imagine. Kira mm-hmm. and Dax talking about anything but boys. They legit can't think of. I mean, like, these are both highly yeah. orchestrated political people. And Dax isn't even like all she's a 24-year-old girl, but she ain't a 24-year-old girl. And I like she don't have to she's also a highly accomplished 24-year-old girl. I don't understand, like, yes, I, I agree. I think that is all. And Bashir, they, like, they have these pro-set conversations that they have to have. But things like, and I, it's not a spoiler, it's just a famous moment from some point later, I don't even remember the context of. 
But like one of the most famous scenes is like this talk about b- between two characters that I can't ever remember like talking is Quark and Garrick talking about root beer. Oh, oh, that's coming up real soon, actually. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, that's like at the beginning of season four. Oh, OK, OK. That, that's just like a nice thing. Like they need more of that. Yeah. And they get the dart. They get there the, soon. Like the dartboard facilitates some of it. It helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what else you got for us, Wade? All right. Well, oh, so this is something we haven't done. I'm I'm reading an iTunes review from Marcinkta. I don't know how he or she. Well, I just I like this review, so I'm gonna read it. That's that's what it comes down to. Because hey, what what kind of title is this? It says it's my favorite Trek podcast. All right. <laughs> I think that's pretty great. Oh, okay. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 So, oh, oh, is this pandering? Oh, leave a review on iTunes. Maybe we'll read it. All right. Uh, these guys give insightful, thoughtful podcasts each week, and I look forward to each one. This one might have been the first podcast I ever subscribed to, and believe me when I say I got spoiled, because they set the bar so high on issues like editing out dead air and leveling out volumes of voices and sound effects. These guys are witty respectful and can go off on very detail-oriented trek talk while still keeping the discourse accessible to the casual fan keep up the work guys love you heart emoji uh i love you too i mean uh, i mean i really i love you too uh <laughs> that's that's pretty great who, now who wrote that who wrote that what's the username for that marsinct a capital A. Well, thank you very much for the kind review. We, and by me, we, I mean, not me. <laughs> the other two guys spent a lot of time editing the, the podcast. So what you hear sounds good. Yeah. So it's nice to hear hear that. Yeah, it's real nice to hear because I hear things and I'm like, oh, I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah. Once you edit, it's like, once you spend any time editing anything, all of the problems become glaring. Yeah. You find yourself having really like compli- compli- like I don't ever notice it on anyone else's podcast. Yeah, but and I'm sure it's going on. Yeah, but, like yeah. every time it's like you know I'm so stupid, but uh, <laughs> like every now and then I'll be listening to a podcast and one of the guys goes and takes a piss, <laughs> and I'm just always like, I mean, we take piss too, by the way. We just cut it out. <laughs> it's like, come on, James, just because you heard me, I'm not gonna put that in the podcast. Okay, I'm gonna cut no, it out. No, but I'm like. I've, I've not when you hear them go to the everybody's like I'm sorry I gotta go piss right. I was gonna make a point but I'll make it when I can. and I was like guys like work you know work on this a little bit <laughs> alright <laughs> pretty easy alright All right. that one is pretty quick that's just us blowing our own horn or yeah, letting, yeah. hey we love being uh, alone <laughs> yeah sure wait 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 <laughs> who doesn't um, you're like the Jesse Waters of our ah low blow and never mind. Um, Your comedy pickup. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to take a vacation. Uh. <laughs> Getting out of here. You're going to do the box exit. Yeah. Uh, what else you got for us, Wade? Is that going to wrap it up for this week? I got nothing left. All right. I'm spent. We'd like to remind everybody that we would really like, if you like the podcast, you can tell a friend about it, but you could also uh, write a nice review on iTunes that really could help us out and extend the life of the show. So if you like the show and you want to see it continue, uh, one of the things you could do at this moment is to leave a review on iTunes. Yeah. And uh, the phone number, do you want to give that info? And- oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. All these calls that we've been doing, um, you can give us a call at 917 408 3898. 
leave us a voicemail there. Under three minutes is when it'll cut you off. You can send us uh, an audio file at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. Try to keep it under three minutes, just in fairness to everybody else. And also because this stuff goes long and, the, you know, it's easier to do it if you talk less, unlike us. Um, uh, reach us at Twitter and all the other stuff, you know, everything else that every other podcast tells you to do. We really appreciate everything y'all do for us, and we'd like to do more for you. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks again for listening. So send, send us anything we can do for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need errands picked up? <laughs> right. Uh, you can find me on TaskRabbit. <laughs> um, what is that? That it sounds like some Silicon Valley bullshit. Oh, it is. Let's sign. I mean, <laughs> do you guys want- Austin's right next to me in Brooklyn, apparently, so I can go do his laundry for him. Uh, oh, well, until next time, it's three to beam out. <laughs> Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong, so feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.